Good morning. People are quiet. You guys don't know to celebrate Christmas. I like the children. They kept us entertained here last Sunday. Kids can see. Can you say hello? I can't hear you, the children. Oh, the kids. These guys are active. I've learned a lot from children because um, I've worked with the kids before um, for a number of years. And uh, one of the things that I've learned from children is about waiting. Because around this time, there are tiny, tiny gifts wrapped up and hidden under the beds. And these young people are just curious. They're waiting, they're waiting. And then mummies and daddies wait around Christmas and go and put them under the Christmas tree. And the young people are just patient. <laughs> patient, patient, patient. But I can tell you, the people that have trouble with waiting is us adults. We have a problem, especially men, to waiting. There's a big problem with us for waiting. And sometimes imagine if, if, if God wrapped that gift for me and, and put it under, you know, you're curious, you kind of want to rip it off and, and check what is under there. There's that thing under you that I want to know what is there. If heaven was closed by some of us who were trying to fly there and see how it looks like, you know, is it real for you? There's gold or... What is it that is about heaven? People have been spending thousands and thousands of money trying to get to mass. As if the earth is too full for them. Millions of money. It's all about curiosity, impatience, and wanting to be in control. And today, I want to share with us about Waiting. And this theme comes from the message I shared here on Christ-centered life. Because many times we talk about Christ-centered life. As if it's just a story. But as I mentioned last time, you cannot remove the will of God from Christ-centered life. You cannot remove his timing from Christ-centered life because they work together. His timing works with his will and his will works with his timing. So today, if you brought your Bible, we're going to look at John chapter 5 from verse 1. Up to 15. John 5, 1 to 15. Waiting on God's timing. What does that mean to you? How does that look for you? The many times I remember, even now, as a young boy, 
I used to have a list around December. I mean, around January, you put on the things that you want to achieve at the end of the year. And some of the things you put on that list should be even some silly things you just put on the list, you know, and to achieve this by the end of this year. And then uh, it comes to around this time, you look back and you're asking, maybe 90% of those things never happened. You know, 90% never happened on that list. And many times, one will be very, very frustrated because I'd listed all these things down and probably 2% happened and the rest never actually happened. I want to encourage you today because waiting is not easy. Waiting is not easy. But it can be a bit easier when you are in control of that time, when, you, when it's in your diary, when it's in your planning, when it's in your activity to do list, you can control. When you know that I have 24 years to pay my mortgage, you can count the calendar and down the line, 24 plus your age, you can tell, you have a picture. You can see the puzzle at the end of it. But when waiting, is to do with God's timing. It becomes a little bit tricky for many of us. And that's what I want to talk about. Waiting on God's timing. It's not about your diary. It's not about your schedule. It's not about your program. It's not about you. It's about him and what he's about to do. Waiting on God's timing. What does this mean to you and I as Christians? Let us pray. Lord, thank you this morning for your message. Thank you for your word today. And I want to believe that many of us here today are waiting for something. And I pray, Lord, that you give us patience and understanding. Help us to wait on you, God. That as I share this message, I pray that you guide me and lead me today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the book of John, chapter 5, verse 1 to 2, the Bible says that sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there, now there is in Jerusalem near the ship gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda. And which is surrounded by five covered 
colonnades. This place was so special. Those days. It was a special pool. It wasn't like any other pool. The way it was done, the way it was decorated. And I was looking at the, the Bible dictionary. It talks about, you know, Bible dictionary talks about the, the word Bethesda means house of grace. The house of grace. A spring fed pool at Jerusalem, surrounded by five covered colonnades or porches. And this place, the Bible says, I mean, outside this pool, you found sick people waiting patiently to step down into these waters that were thought to have healing powers. These people believe that from time to time, an angel of the Lord will come down and stir up the waters. And the first one into the pool, after each such a disturbance, will be cured of whatever disease they had. I just want you to picture this image for a moment. These are people that are desperate. These are people that are looking for a miracle. This is a pool. This is a place where this is water that is, it, it's, a, it's a place where you, if you jump in fast, your miracle happens. I want you to imagine how many people would be in this kind of place. Think of how many people would be here. And I was, I was picturing this place. I was thinking, it's not just about the waiting. It's about the timing. It's not just about the waiting. It's about the timing. You know, you, you, you're there. And, and I'm trying to imagine with the blind. The Bible says even the blind were there. I'm, I'm thinking, how do, how do you even see the stirring of the water? How do you even tell that this is the time to jump in and you're blind? And, and the Bible is saying some people there were paralyzed for years. How do you even move when that happens? We thank God for Australia, the Department of NDIS has done a lot of work. They may not be perfect, but we thank God. Not many countries have NDIS to support the disabled people. Back in my country, a lot of people are disabled. It's up to your family to look after you. And if you don't have anybody to help you to cook, to go to the toilet, to do anything, you'll be in a lot of trouble. The government does not help you. And I want to tell you, we are lucky here because I've seen people that are living at home independently because the grace of God and the support from the government has allowed people that sometimes we abuse in the name of carers that have taken upon themselves to clean, to wash these people and take them to the toilet and dress them. People that risk their own lives to do what they do. 
And sometimes uh, when I support the carers where I work, and, and, and sometimes I pray for them because these people, these people, it's not just about themselves. It's something about the love of God that helps them to go and do what they do each and every day. Yes, they're paid money, they, but they leave home to expose themselves, to support somebody. It's not everywhere. In my country, we don't have that. You know, your family has to do it for you. And I'm looking at this particular place, surrounded by people that are disabled, people that are blind, people that are paralyzed, people that are cannot even move, waiting and timing for a specific time to jump into the pool to receive their miracle. But yet many times, us who are people that have both feet and hands, people that can move, people that can drive, we wait for somebody to drag us to go and look for that miracle. Somebody's dragging for you, come for prayer, come for the, you know, we're waiting for that particular time to associate with the house of grace. From verse 3 to 6, the Bible says here a great number of people, a number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And one was there, had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he has been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Some of us will be asking, why would you ask such a question? I'll be frustrated. I've been struggling here for many years. Every morning, I'm here. Before, because you want to be on the front line. You have to somehow spend there to get on the front line, to get in fast. And Jesus asking, do you want to get well? One of the reasons Jesus is asking this question because when sometimes and things have pushed you around, things have hit you, challenges have come, you somehow get used to the fact that maybe this is the way God wanted it to be. This is how things should be, you know. You get used to how things can be, you know. I, I met... I met a young man in Africa in, 20, in 2000. And this guy had lived on the street the rest of his life. His food used to be from, you know, the beans on the streets, whatever people throw in there, dirty stuff. This was his food. But somehow he got used to that because that is his life. You know, he never knew how to live life out of the street. But one lady from America, she came and started a program in Nairobi of reaching out to some of these young people. And out of the young boys that she was looking after, 
she chose this guy to marry him. And she purely fell in love with this guy. She just wanted to see this guy change completely, have a family, and have children. And they got their first young man, a boy. She got this girl from the street. They had a nice three-bedroom machinette somewhere, and they had a car, they're driving, and oh. And this, they started coming to our church. And this guy looked excited. But you know, f- less than five years, this guy had kicked out this lady and went back to the streets. He went back to drinking. He went back to dressing like the street boys. He went back eating like the street boys. He went back to behave like one of the street people, the homeless people that were living on the street. And I remember this lady coming to our church office. Our senior pastor was from America as well. And she spent time with them, crying. Because she really wanted to see this young man changed or transformed. But to this young man, this was how life should be. And that's why Jesus is walking to this guy. Do you really want to get well? Because sometimes we live life as if maybe this is how life is. And Christ is not assuming that you know. Christ thinks probably you think that's how life should be. He comes and says, do you want to get well? Do you need your healing? Do you still need your miracle? Do you still want to go to this place? Do you still need that particular job? Do you really need that job? Because maybe you've come to a place you feel maybe that job wasn't mine. Do you still need that job? Do you still need to go to back to school? Because you've waited, you've waited and felt, oh, maybe school is not my thing really. I don't have to go back to school. 20 years after Christ comes and says, Max, do you still want to go back to school? Max, like, me? <laughs> Maggie's laughing because <laughs> she knows. But that's the scenario. Is God looking at Abraham and asking Abraham, do you really need still need a son? And Sarah goes like, what? At 75? Me? <laughs> do I really need a son at this age? You know? Because she came to a place where, you know, maybe, maybe this, this is how God wanted just to be, you know. I'm happy. You know, it's not really happy, but I'm okay. At 75... We have a, an extended son anyway, a step boy. We can look after him, you know, things, things are okay. And she, do you really need a son at this age? Let's continue. There are two things I want to share with us today that are important for you to think about in your situation. And one of the key things I want, to th- I want us to think about is the waiting. 
I'll talk about the timing at some point, but I want us to think about the waiting. The invalid man had been in that condition for 38 years and Jesus was asking whether he wanted to get well. Why would Jesus ask such a question? And I've just said I believe this man must have been waiting at the pool for a while for his miracle. And I've said many times when storms and other things, challenges come knocking. When our plans fail to materialize, some of our friends tell us, you know, to accept the condition and move on. Accept and move on. Then we start to believe that maybe this is the way we are supposed to be. You know, friends are dangerous. Friends tell you accept and, and you know, that's the things meant to be. Move on. But I'm saying, you know, God is saying, wait, wait, wait. Christ is asking you, do you still need that, whatever you're waiting for? Do you still need it? And friends, it's a time to, for us as a church to open our eyes and think about it. Do we really need people to get to Christ? I mean, you can say Kerang, I know it's a cast area. People never get saved in Kerang. You can say that as an excuse to God. Somebody told me this is a very true statement. That the people we needed to reach in Kerang, we've already reached, reached to them. The ones who are there, they, are, they don't get saved. True or false? It's false. A man from one of the denominations I want to name here today told me that in heaven we already have 144,000 people have filled up heaven. You don't have to be there. <laughs> Friends, I'm saying, God is saying we need to open our eyes. We need to see. If these people are blind, if these people are disabled, if these people are paralyzed, but they're out there at the pool known as the house of grace, they're waiting for that one particular moment to jump into the water. What about us? Who can see? Who can walk? Who can move? Who can think? Who can do things for ourselves? What about us? John 5, 7 to 9 says, this is what the invalid replied. Yes, said, sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Many of us are still on the mat. 
But I want to believe that if you gave up your life to Christ, you should be holding your mat right now and walking up. Some of us are still at the river looking at the house of grace for an angel to start the water for something to come up. I want to tell you I can be controversial sometimes when people talk about revival. I want to believe that revival is already happening. I have a lot of respect for some of the great speakers around the world. I have a lot of respect for some of the great preachers around the world. But revival is about Christ himself. I've been to so many crusades. I've been for so many seminars. I've been to some big meetings and I've seen great things happening of God. But it's not about those speakers. It's about Christ. And if you believe Christ is in your heart, if you've received Christ in your heart, revival is within you. But many times we are walking, we are hoping, we are looking for that star moment to come. You're waiting, who is this speaker? Who is this man that is going to stop the water so that I can jump in? So that I can do this? And many times you get frustrated because when you jump into that water, you, do, you don't get the chance because by the time you want to jump in, somebody else is called from the crowd, come here, my sister. ABC did your heel, come here, and you leave that place empty as you walked back, you walked in there, and you get frustrated with God. God is saying it's all free for everybody. He's timed for you and I to see that the house of grace is no longer in a pool in Jerusalem. The house of grace is upon each of you, each, each one of us. You have the house of grace in your heart. I have the house of grace in me. That is up to us to look up the house of grace that is in Christ Jesus. Then look at the house of grace in a small pool. Somewhere. In a place. That every time you're looking for that special book that you can read so that God can do something and you have 10 Bibles in your house, you're looking for that particular person that can speak into your life, that you can see things change, that every time you're moving from church to church, looking for a particular church that can stir your spirit in that particular time, every time you're moving from crusade to crusade, looking for that special anointing of revival, I want to remind you today that the house of grace is in your heart. The house of grace is in your heart because you've received Christ that is stirring grace and revival, that is stirring healing and revelation in your heart today. The second thing I want to talk to us is about the timing. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. Think of the timing. And because we are looking for a particular place and a particular person, when God does his timing, we find it wrong. We get it wrong. 
He did it on a Sabbath day. And they saw religious people, they saw righteous people, the holy people got it wrong. I want to tell us Christians, I want to challenge us today. That if our waiting is in the right place, if our waiting is on the right person, if our waiting is to do what God is expecting us to do, we'll not miss out on his timing. Because when he does it, we know that this is God's doing. It's not about the Sabbath. It's not about the rituals and the regulations. It's about his grace for us. It says in verse 10, and they saw the Jewish leader say to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied the man, but he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. That's all he knew. I've been lying at the pool for years. I was not able to move. I've been praying. My miracle comes and you're telling me it's a Sabbath day. What's wrong with you? Do you have a problem with me? When God is doing something in your life, all of a sudden, you're telling me it's a wrong day. When yesterday I was there, the right day for you, you did nothing for me. What did you offer me? What did you offer me? You telling me that today is the wrong day. I want to remind us, friends, today, to God there is no wrong day and right day. His timing is different from our timing. He doesn't have a wrong day or a right day because of his timing. What is it that you are timing and waiting upon God? In John 5, 12, and 13, say, so they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus, Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. How does God's timing look for you and I in what we are doing today? I think about Joseph and Mary. Joseph and Mary would have done the same. They would have blamed God for interfering with their wedding plans. 
Because these guys have been waiting. for God to do something for a wedding. They've been waiting and planning. They've been waiting and planning. And when Joseph is just about to invite his friends and probably send out the cards already, Mary is pregnant. What a timing. For many of us would have asked God, why wait until when that time? Why would you have done it before? Or somebody else who is not engaged? Why just wait until when everything has been put together? They're paid the caterers, they're paid the, the cake, they're paid for the gown, they are paid for the rings. They are paid for the venue. Everybody said, you know, I'm, I'm trying to imagine, those of us who are married, I want you to imagine on that time, when you get that kind of information, just before you get there. As a man, I'll be devastated so badly. I'll be hurt. I'll be hurt. And that's why Joseph, Joseph was thinking of a divorce secretly because that would have been so embarrassing that would have been so bad for Joseph in the community at that particular time. In our physical eyes, between you and I, that would be a wrong timing for God. Wrong timing for God. But I've said before God, there's no wrong timing or right timing before God. I thought about Joseph when Jesus was born. His mother wrapped up in cloth and placed him in a manger. But because there was no guest room available for them, can we say that God's timing was wrong again? How could you miss out on the obvious? I mean, even, even, just, even just a venue for us to sleep, your special family, to spend the night for your own baby to be born in a place where people can respect him and love him as your own. You allowing him to be born in a manger. Like a homeless baby, a homeless child. For us Christians again, wrong timing. For men who are married here, your wife can never forgive you if you never did the booking for the venue you are going for the holiday. 
If you said you're going for the holiday and you never booked for the venue, you've been in a lot of trouble. You want to get to Sydney and then you're looking for a place that is a vacancy. Places are full. What kind of man are you? Even the venue, you get it wrong. Everything doesn't work for you. Everything. You know, even simple things like booking a venue can't even get that. And, and, and people, can, people can quarrel. I mean, things happen. Petty things can happen and, and bring a quarrel in a home. And some people, people who are smiling, walking together happily, going for a holiday, they can turn against each other. And the holiday can be up there, can be up and upside and down. A time was meant to be a special time to catch up, refuel and re-energize and, and get, get back together. You're coming worse than you went. You're coming worse than you went. Because you went the venue was not available. The baby that you treasured as a man to give you pride, the firstborn of your family, is born in a manger, a place where animals eat from. In my culture, that would be like a curse in my culture, where animals eat from. That's the wrong place to have your baby born as a firstborn in the family. It's a bad image for your children. Your wife can never forgive you for that. Never. You've let her down. Wrong timing for us, God, but God is right for them. I want, to, I want you to look at your situation. Look at your issue. I want you to think about your area. Are there times that you've seen that God this was wrong timing. At that times you felt that this was wrong timing. I want to remind you today, there's no wrong timing or right timing for God. I want to say it's good that we have diaries and calendars for planning and working smart. But sometimes these programs can take the place of God. It's very easy to try and fit God into our programs and plans, but remember, God is not controlled by time. Thank God. He's not controlled by time. Because before time, God existed. Before time, God was there. Before this calendar was done, God was there. In fact, the theologians up to date, there's a debate for the theologians. Students, teachers have never agreed whether actually God used a seven day, week calendar to create the earth. They've never agreed. Because some people don't believe in your calendar. They're saying this is, the calendar came the other day. There's no seven day, week calendar. So, which calendar are you talking about? But you know many times we form programs, we form Staff, and we feel that God should fit in here. One of the things that God has made very clear in this story that He's told and made it clear that I don't fit. Time cannot control me. So if you make a Sabbath 
day, a day that you have to stay doing nothing, it's not about him, it's about you. That he made Sabbath for you and I so that we can have a break and have a bit of control. But he never made Sabbath so that himself can be controlled by time. So if you're telling God in two years, I want to have ABCD in five years, look what he's telling us here. That God has his own sense of timing. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. So if you are telling God in ten years, I want to have my own five-star hotel. It could be a thousand years before you get it. Because he's not controlled by your diary. He's not controlled by my diary. He's not controlled by seven-day week He's not controlled by you're saying you're 2025. He's not controlled by that. He has his own sense of timing. You know, many years ago, we never had mobile phones. We never had diaries. We never had even calendars. And my mother was reminding me the other day, there were no even clocks or watches. If you wanted to wake up early, they waited on the rooster. There's a rooster that used to ring 4 a.m. in the morning without fail. And I remember very well even at home growing up, we always had a rooster at home. Every home had a rooster. And that rooster used to be like the king of the village or the home. So every 4 a.m., that rooster will wake up and make sudden noise. And then you'll know it's 4 a.m. in the morning. And those roosters will leave the chickens at 6 o'clock. If they went to feed, 6 o'clock they'd be coming back home without fail, 6 o'clock. They'd be walking back to the place where they sleep at six o'clock. They look at the sun, they know this is midday. This is 10 a.m. And they had less stress than now. Now that we have diaries, we have phones, we have this, these things are good, but they have added more stress on us than before. Our parents never had that kind of stresses. They stressed little. As we're stressing more because you had 10 missed calls and you never answered them. What happened without the mobile phones? You never had 20 missed calls. <laughs> 50 emails have not responded to them. What about before the emails? What happened? Stress. So many of us, when you get home in the evening, you put everything aside. I, and I do sometimes, because you have 20 emails you have to respond to at the evening at home. 10 phone calls you have to call back after work. So these things have added more stress on us. God does not use them. So God is not stressed at all. God is looking for you and I and asking, where is your waiting and your timing? I just trust you. As I finish today, 
I just have a simple question for you. How well do you know the one you're waiting for? Because if you know well the one you're waiting for, time will not be a problem. And you can see clearly that this young man did not know who he was waiting for. If you really have a good relationship with your God, let me remove God from this picture. Let me talk about those of us who are married with the time you are dating. If this person that you are dating then were running late, and those days were no mobiles for some of us that can ring you or send you a text message that I'm running late, you still wait there because you know they're coming. You still wait. I did it there. I did it. That's why she's laughing because you just wait there and you know she'll come. What's wrong with waiting for God to do something? To do something. So my first encouragement today that think about your relationship with God because if you work on your relationship with God, waiting and timing will not be a problem. And this young man, it's so clear there in verse 12 and 13. So they asked him, who is this fellow? Who told you to pick up your walk? He had no idea who this fellow was. There was no relationship. He never knew who he was. And I'm telling you, these are the mistakes we make as Christians. Because our relationship with Christ has issues, has challenges. So, when it comes to waiting, it becomes even harder because our relationship is struggling between the two of us. I want to tell you that the Lord is sovereign over the future. He's sovereign. Mother thought that Jesus got it wrong by saying this, Lord, Mother said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You know, God, if, if, if you came here, because Martha thought Jesus got it wrong, why come after four days? Why come after four days? And we get it wrong too ourselves. That if God, if you just did this, this wouldn't have happened. God, if you, if, if, you, if you just did this and this, probably this wouldn't have happened. I want to encourage us today to stop blaming ourselves or our friends. Let's continue to wait on God. Let's build a relationship around him. Let's work and be closer. Let's spend time with our God. That when something's happening... In the spirit, we'll be able to understand what he's doing. Our key waiting time is the return of Jesus. That our physical healing will come and go, but our spiritual healing will be for eternity. And that's what Jesus told the young man later in these verses when he met him. He said, see, you're well again. Stop sinning. 
or something worse might happen to you. The men went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. You see, the first time, because there was no relationship, he didn't even know who that person was. Him, he knew that pick up your mat and go. And many of us, Christ has told you, pick up your mat and go. But we are still struggling to understand who is this person who asked me to pick up my mat and go. For some of us, it's been so many years from the time you're told to pick up your mat and leave. Many years. But you're still asking, who is this person? Who is this person? I want to encourage you, spend time with him. Read your Bible, pray. Improve your relationship. Get to do some things that can help you to build this relationship, to build this friendship, to get connected together so that when things come, you'll be able to understand him better. You'll be able to know him better. You're able to see that this is what he's doing in my life. You know, I thank God for people like Mary and Joseph. When Joseph was told, do not divorce your wife. This is the doing of God. It made sense to him because of the relationship. I'm sure they had a relationship that helped Joseph to make sense out of that statement. But I'm looking somebody who has no idea or the relationship is so down here telling that the Holy Spirit is having a baby with who? It, I mean, even right now that people can't make sense out of that. How? But I thank God for Mary and Joseph because they had a relationship. They listened to the angel that whispered to Joseph and said, Joseph, do not do what you want to do. Your wife Mary is carrying a baby, but that baby is from the Holy Spirit. I can tell you 90% of men will be going for DNA to prove I'm not sure how you can prove the DNA of the Holy Spirit. But some people will be seriously going for DNA to prove whether that's the Holy Spirit or not. And while they do that, the case is at the court. They file for divorce. And to challenge us today, that it's always hard to fathom the things that God is doing in this world, it's very hard to understand what God is doing unless you, you're so close to him, unless his Holy Spirit is working in your life, unless your relationship is getting better, you'll never, never understand what God is doing. How's your relationship with Christ? Jesus summarized this way. Are there no 12 hours of a day, daylight? Anyone who walks in daytime will not stumble. For they see, for they see by this world's light. Verse 10. It is when a person walks at night, they stumble, for they have no light. 
the light of Christ is shining in your life. That if your light is shining in your life, the relationship is improving. You can see where you are going. You can see how he's doing things. But I want to challenge those of us who are still walking in the dark. It's even harder when you're walking in the dark because you can't see what he's doing. You can never see. You can never understand. But you have to improve your relationship with Christ. As we grow closer to Christ, the relationship helps us to be in the light and see the things that he's doing in our life. As I finish, let me finish with these words. That when we live Christ-centered life, his light becomes our guide. His waiting becomes our waiting, and his time becomes our timing. I want to pray that you're going to remain optimistic as we head towards 2023. I want us to remain positive. This year has been tough with the floods, This year has been tough with COVID. This year has been tough with inflation. This year has been tough with so many other challenges. But I want to pray that we are going to remain optimistic. That the timing of these things that did not get God off guard. He did not see COVID and say, oh wow, this is COVID. He didn't see a flood and say, oh there's floods in Kerang. These things, he's aware of them. He knows these things are there. This is not wrong timing for God. Because I want us to believe that God is doing something for us as a community, for us as a church, for these people around us. I finish with the words of Isaiah that uh, my sister was quoting early, (laughs) Brooke here. He says that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up the wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Some of us, you're up there, you're waiting, you know, it's been up there. You, you, you're, you're sowing like an ego because you feel things are moving quickly for you and you're, you're happy. And some of us, you feel you're waiting too slow. You know, you, you're getting there, but you're, you're just walking and you're waiting. And some are running. Whatever you're waiting God for. Whether you're sowing in your waiting. Whether you're running in your waiting. Or your things are just a little bit crawling for you. He has a place for you. He's saying you're not faint. Yes, you're almost like things. You want to give up. You want to collapse. But he's saying you're not faint. Because his timing is about him. Let's stand on our feet. Let's stand up as we finish. And I want to invite Brooke to come and lead us with team. Father, we thank you today. Thank you for those that have been soaring in their waiting. Lord, I thank you for those who have been running in their waiting. And those that have been crawling in our waiting. We feel it's been ages. I want to thank you because... For each one of us, Lord, you know our state. You know our condition. And I pray, Lord, that you help us to wait upon you. That as we head towards Christmas, we want to thank you for people like Mary and Joseph that gave it all because of you, because of your love for them. May you guide us and lead us today that I wait upon your Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.